Our text this morning is from John chapter 10, beginning at verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Thanks. My name is Tim Roundtree. I'm one of the leaders here. And uh, since Luke's out, I'm going to fill in for him. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, We are in the middle of a series in John on encountering Jesus, but we're not going to be in John today. We're going to be in Mark, uh, but we're still going to talk about encountering Jesus. And particularly the question is, how do we encounter Jesus? How do we meet Jesus in our brokenness? Uh, And I think Bartimaeus is going to provide a great example for us of of how we actually meet Jesus. Because Bartimaeus is beside the road, uh, and he's uh, sitting there, and he wants to see Jesus, and he's listening intently, especially because he can't see. He's blind. And I can imagine as these large crowds kind of flow down the road and Bartimaeus is there, people step on him. And you know how it is when you're down at Fiesta or you're on the river walk and people just are bustling and bumping into one another. And probably the coins he has are scattered out and really no one's paying attention to him. Uh, Maybe he gets stepped on a few times and he's really cut off. He's really isolated. He's isolated from what's going on around him. He's isolated from relationships. And he's not able to follow the crowd like, and follow Jesus like everyone else because of his brokenness. So I think if we think of brokenness as the pain and suffering that we experience because um, sin has affected the world. If we think of brokenness like that, I think we can say by any definition, or at least by that definition, Bartimaeus is broken. He, uh, he's not whole. He suffers. And I think if we think about our own lives and we, we look at it, we can look around and say, you know what? We're broken too. Another way to think of it is just to say that things are not the way they're supposed to be. I, I remember when I first learned that phrase to think about the world, it was really encouraging to me because if you look at, at the Bible and how it begins, we see that God made everything perfect. Uh, so there shouldn't be any blind beggars sitting on the side of the road. There should be no blindness. There should be no need. There should be no one who's cut off and hurt and isolated. But that's not the way it is because things are not the way they're supposed to be. So as we, as we look at Bartimaeus today and as we look at this passage in Mark, I hope you'll be thinking with me about how do we encounter Jesus. And I think Bartimaeus is going to show us that as we face our brokenness and the way we face our brokenness and encounter Jesus there is to first to cry out humbly to Jesus, cry out persistently to Jesus, and cry out with faith 
that Jesus would meet us in our brokenness. So if you'll open your Bibles, and I think they may be open, we're going to start off in, in verse 47, because we can see there, it says that when, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus would pass by, he began to cry out, to shout, to call, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, Bartimaeus was blind, but he could see his situation quite clearly. He could do nothing to really meet the brokenness in his life. Nothing that he could do was going to make him well. And so in humility, seeing his need and realizing his dependence, he cries out to Jesus, the one who can help him. He sees he's broken and he's seeking help. So he cries out. This is the humility that's required of us. If we're going to really meet Jesus in our brokenness, if we're really going to face our brokenness as Christians, we must cry out to Jesus, our one source of help. Do you see your brokenness today? You know, it is impossible to live in a world that's not the way it's supposed to be and not be broken, not be hurt by sin, by our own sin and by the sin of others, by our own limitations and and just the fact that things aren't the way they're supposed to be. So do you, do you see your brokenness? What, what pain or dysfunction are you experiencing because, uh, Things aren't the way they're supposed to be. That's important. If you don't see it, you can't cry out to Jesus. So let me ask you, um, sometimes we do see it, but sometimes we don't see it. What are some things that might keep us from seeing uh, where we need Jesus to meet us? And, And as I thought about it, I thought one thing is busyness. Is anybody busy here? Anybody working really hard, lots of hours? Then you get home and and uh, I'm a lawyer. I don't work hard, so that's okay. But, uh, but you guys are working hard. But, uh, you know, you, you work lots of hours and you get home and you're just worn out and you have hardly time to think. Um, or maybe you're running from event to event to event. You know, you have kiddos and uh, they, fortunately some of mine can drive now. Praise God. That's good. But if they couldn't drive, you know, you're going, you're picking them up, you're taking them, you're dropping them off. You're just busy. And busyness will keep you from actually kind of feeling and experiencing the dysfunction and pain you're really in, it'll keep you from seeing it. Um, Another thing that would keep you from seeing your brokenness is just the fact that you're isolated. You say, well, Tim, I'm I'm here in the middle of all these people in church. Yeah, but how many people know you? How many people know what's going on in your heart? Are you willing to open up and share where you're struggling? Because we need those relationships so that people can actually come into your life. I can remember a time a good friend came to me uh, and, and said to me, Tim, you don't look like you're doing well. You, are you struggling with depression? Are you struggling with anxiety? Is something going on? You don't look like you're doing well. And I needed that because I really didn't know. I mean, I knew things weren't right, but I didn't know what wasn't right. So are you isolated? Or are you living your life kind of cut off from people? All right. Here's, a, here's another thing that might keep us from seeing our brokenness. It's entertainment. How many hours can I watch YouTube videos on any subject that I want to learn about? Do you do that? Netflix, can you binge watch? I can. Can you binge watch the newest series on Netflix? You can stay up for 28 hours just watching show after show after show, right? And, and hey, it, this is an appropriate time for that. That's fine. But do you do that? Does it, does it kind of numb you? 
Does it keep you from really realizing what's going on? Maybe, um, maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's sports. Um, maybe it's a club you're involved in. Do you do that to avoid the pain that you're feeling with, feeling and dealing with the dysfunction, the fact that the things aren't the way they're supposed to be? So those are things that might keep us from seeing our need. And, you know, even the blind man could see his need. We need to be able to see our need too. Um, but there's also some things that might keep us from calling out to Jesus even when we see our need. And I think the Bible calls it pride. But it, it looks differently for all of us. Um, what, what would keep you from calling out to Jesus? What kind of pride would keep you from doing that? One way pride looks is, is just... Um, the thought that there's no way God would help me. I'm not good enough. You say, well, Tim, that's not pride. Isn't it? Who are you looking at? Where's your focus? It's your own performance, right? I must be good enough for God to reach down and help me. Well, the Bible says clearly that's pride. And that'll keep you from calling out to Jesus. But there's another kind of pride, a pride that says... I don't need any help. I got this on my own. I don't need God. That'll keep you from calling out to Jesus. And then there's another subtle form of pride. I saw it in a commercial over the Super Bowl. Um, I think it was for Golf Now. Did anybody see that Golf Now commercial? Uh, it's a, it's a, it starts off, there's a, a guy that's a bit older than me in the kitchen. And there's a guy that's probably in his 20, 20s. He's in a high chair in the kitchen and the dad is like giving him food i don't know putting food on the tray and uh he says something like you know this isn't hot and this isn't warm enough i really wanted it warmer and then and then he says the, the wi-fi is too slow and, and, the, and the dad says kids they grow up so slowly don't they and and i have a senior this year i don't think that's true i went to sleep he was you know eight months old i woke up he's 18 almost it's killing me but, but the truth is, sometimes we feel like if we call out to God, we're like admitting that we're the kid in the high chair. That we haven't matured like we should have. And that's, the ba- that's a wrong idea. Because we never mature beyond dependence on Jesus to meet us and supply what we need in our brokenness. So how do we know that? Well, just even earlier in chapter 10 that we've read from, Jesus uh, is there, and people are bringing their kids to Jesus. Do you all remember that story? Maybe a little bit. Maybe you've heard it. They're, the people are bringing their kids to Jesus, and the disciples say, Jesus does not have time for these kids. <laughs> we got important things to do here. To, you know, don't bring them. And Jesus rebukes them strongly and says, bring the little kids to me. And he blesses them, and he says, the kingdom of heaven is for people like them. So what characterizes a little kid? It's been a long time since my kids were real little, but, you know, the first few years, are they needy? Yeah, they need you constantly. Can they survive without you? Can an infant survive? A one-year-old, two-year-old? No way. They cannot survive without you. They are completely dependent on you. Do you want to meet Jesus in your brokenness? Do you want to encounter him? Well, you've got to know that you are completely needy just like a child. And the good news is Jesus isn't going to turn you away because the kingdom of heaven is for people just like that, people like you, people like me that need Jesus. So 
how do we experience and how do we meet Jesus in our brokenness? First, we cry out to him humbly, admitting, seeing our need and seeking him to meet us and help us. Okay? But secondly, we, we must cry out to him persistently. I don't like that word. I don't like to be persistent. I want everything to be solved right away. But that wasn't Bartimaeus' experience. You know, we don't know how long he was blind. But I'm sure there was some startled glances as he's there on the side of the road. And he's calling out, Jesus. You know, he hears the crowd coming. He knows Jesus is coming by. He's, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's calling. He's persistently yelling. You know, people are getting upset. I don't know about you, but some of you like to actually make a scene. Some of you are real comfortable, like flamboyant. And that's great. We love you. You're entertaining. We like to watch you. But not me, really. And, and um, I have this internal conflict, which is uh, kind of comes out at work often, which is I feel this need to acknowledge people to say hi. Does anybody like that? No? Yeah? Like, if you see somebody down the hall, you, you, I have to wave, you know. And I work uh, in the courthouse, and there's hundreds of people in and out of that courthouse every day. And so I'm constantly confronted with, and I, I don't remember people as well as I used to, like, I need to say hi to them. So I say hi, you know, you wave, and then they don't acknowledge you. And I'm like, oh, maybe they didn't see me. But I, so I say hi, but not quite so hi because I don't want to make a, you know, a big deal. And then I get close, I'm like, oh, I don't know you. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to make a scene. It's bad, right? But Bartimaeus, he's not like that. He's yelling loudly, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's not his problem. He's not worried about making a scene. He's shouting a lot. And people are getting aggravated. You know, they are here to follow Jesus or to see this curiosity or this person that everybody's talking about. You know, they, they're there and they're going down the road uh, and they're crowded around the road. And they don't want to deal with this blind beggar who's hollering, you know, Jesus. They don't want to deal with him. In fact, Bartimaeus, you are interrupting the show. You are a problem. You're a pain. Be quiet, Bartimaeus. Stop talking. You know, y'all do that at home. Sometimes we have some kids that like to talk during shows. I'm like, guys, the show. Shh. And they're like, Bartimaeus, be quiet. Stop. Stop talking. It'd be like if the Spurs win another championship and you go down to the parade, you know, and, you know, they're coming by and Manu's coming by, you know, and some homeless guy downtown is like, Manu, Manu it's me, Manu. I want to say hi. Like, you know, and you're like, is he really going to stop and say hi? Is Manu really going to acknowledge you? I mean, I'm sure he's a great guy, but come on. No, he's not. Well, guess what? But Jesus is. And, and the truth is that not only was he an inconvenient person who was disrupting people who wanted to see Jesus, but in that day, if you were blind, if you were disabled, if, if, if there was something, um, some kind of struggle that you had in your life, a physical disability, a mental challenge, whatever, that you were kind of an outcast because a common notion, it's not what the Bible teaches, but a common notion is that um, you must have done something wrong, and that's a result of your sin, you know? And you can even hear the disciples ask Jesus another time, hey, who sinned, this guy or his father, so that, that he's like this, right? So not only is Bartimaeus an outcast, but he's probably despised. He's the lowest of the low. He's a sinner. He did something wrong to be like that. So he's hollering. And it says that the people, verse 48, they rebuked him to silence him. Be quiet. Shut up. 
I don't even want to say that out loud. Be quiet. You know, just a side note here. We don't want to be people, we don't want to be a church that tries to silence people who are calling out to Jesus. You know? How do we do that? Uh, I know you guys, you're not malicious. But how do, we, how do we silence people? Well, sometimes we just write them off. We silence them that way. We, we, um, we just treat them like there's no hope for them. So I don't have time to waste with you. You know? And loving people's hard and it takes time. I don't like it. Can I admit that as an elder? I don't really like to love people. <laughs> Sorry. I need God's grace. You know, so we like silence people we, by just writing them off. They're hopeless, you know? We probably have family members that are like that. I know I do, where I kind of think, I, I know God can do anything, but he's not really going to do anything. So we silence them. Or sometimes we silence them by telling them to buck up. Anybody of the buck up tribe, don't raise your hand. It's okay. I'm not calling you out. Right? I mean, we're all there sometimes, you know, especially depending on how tired we are and how close it is to bedtime. I'm sorry, kid, that you're struggling, but you'll be fine. Go to bed. You know, buck up. It'll be fine. Trust God. Let go. Buck up. Right? And so we silence people rather than coming with them to Jesus, calling out to Jesus with them, and waiting for him to be the Savior. Because guess what, guys? We're not the Savior. Only Jesus is the Savior. Only he, he will work through us, but only he can really meet people's needs. Okay? So we, we silence people. We don't want to do that. So as people are, are trying to silence Bartimaeus, um, he's got a choice to make. Is he going to keep crying out or is he going to give up? Is he going to pers- persevere? Um, what keeps us from that? I think sometimes the, the fear that keeps us from doing that is that we just really don't think Jesus is going to hear us. You know? Is he really going to? I've been crying out over and over and over. I don't feel like he's listening. Is he really going to hear us? Is he going to show up? Can I depend on him? Is he going to stop? But verse 49 says that Jesus stopped. Literally, he stood. And you can imagine, you know, the procession's going down the road. And then all of a sudden, Jesus stops. It's it's like, you know, if the Aggies were marching in formation and some trombonist dropped the trombone, they'd be all, you know, falling over and everything, right? You know? They stop. It says literally he stood. And then he called. So we're afraid that Jesus won't stop. And that he won't call to us if we call out to him. And sometimes I think that we're, we don't call out because, once again, we think we're unworthy. So, is God really going to help us? Will Jesus really hear us? So, our confidence is that Jesus meant what he said even earlier in this chapter. In verse 45, Jesus says, The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but in order to serve... And give his life as a ransom for many. That's a guarantee that Jesus, he's going to hear us. And he's going to stop and meet us in our brokenness. And we can take comfort from Matthew 28. Where Jesus says, I'm with you always. I know it doesn't feel like that always. I I struggle with that. I don't feel like God's always listening or with me. But his assurance and his word says that he is. So no matter how difficult our circumstances are or the people that might try to silence us or even our own fears that might sideline us from calling out to Jesus in our brokenness, we must. If we're going to encounter Jesus and meet him, we need to cry out to him in our brokenness persistently and and humbly. And lastly, 
We're going to call out to him in faith. And this is a challenge. So it says that hearing Jesus' call, Bartimaeus, he sprang to his feet and he comes to Jesus and, and Jesus says, you know, what do you want me to do for you? Which might seem like an obvious problem. You know, I'm, I'm sure he's feeling his way through the crowd and I don't know how he did it quickly, but it seems like he did do it quickly. So he gets to Jesus somehow and Jesus says, what do you want me to do? Now, do you think Jesus didn't really know what Bartimaeus needed? Or do you think Jesus is already meeting not just his blindness issue, but also the fact that he's probably been isolated and ignored for much of his life? And so it says, Bartimaeus, what you think is important to me. Do you understand that God cares what you think that's important to him? There's other scriptures that say that God uh, collects our tears and keeps them as almost in a bottle, like something valuable to him. He cares. So he asked Bartimaeus, what do you want? And, and this is what he says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. So, in response to Jesus' personal invitation, he addresses Jesus as rabbi, which some would translate, my teacher. It seems to imply that Bartimaeus is already a follower of Christ, even though he's stuck on the side of the road. It seems in his heart, he's already following Jesus. And so Jesus says, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And Bartimaeus recovers his sight. And what does he do? He follows Jesus. Yeah, he gets Jesus. He gets what he wants. He's made well. And so when I hear those words, I'm encouraged because I have brokenness that I need Jesus to meet me in. I have things that I would like Jesus to heal me of, to rescue me from. I have hurts that, that I've experienced from the actions of others, and I've hurt others with my own sinful actions. And I want, I want, I want Jesus to rescue me from that. So I'm encouraged, but I'm also kind of challenged because it seems like Bartimaeus has great faith. So what was it about his faith? I mean, is there a particular quality of faith that's required for Jesus to meet us? And that's kind of the thing I wrestle with sometimes. Like, do I have enough faith? Um, and we got to say that Jesus, I mean, that uh, Bartimaeus had great faith, right? So he addresses Jesus as Jesus, the son of David. And that, that was a messianic term. I mean, there's great faith right there to, and insight. You know, the teachers of Israel don't recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, but Bartimaeus calls him son of David, and he calls him Rabboni, which means my teacher. And there's only one other time in the New Testament that that's used. It's when Mary is uh, meeting Jesus after the resurrection, and she loved him. And she's like, my, she couldn't believe it was him, my teacher. There's some personal intimacy there. So he's got great faith, right? And he keeps crying persistently. I mean, we've got to look at that and say, to be like Bartimaeus. And I look at that and I say, I'm not like Bartimaeus. Are you? Bartimaeus wasn't like Bartimaeus. If that means he's perfectly strong in his faith, right? So here's the good news. It's not the amount of faith that Jesus is commending. It's the object of the faith. It's not that you have the great faith and that's why Jesus hears you. In fact, Jesus teaches at other places, you know, if you have the faith just as large as just the smallest seed, a mustard seed, you know, God's going to respond. Mountains are going to get thrown in the sea. Trees are going to be uprooted. Right? That's encouraging me. I, I could have small faith and cry out to Jesus by his grace. Right? Now, I'm not a farmer. I don't really know how big a mustard seed is. I Googled it and I, I couldn't make sense of the results. But it's apparently very small. Like, you know, you got like peach pit, plum pit. You know, watermelon seed, 
you know, caraway maybe, and then, I don't know, mustard seed, very, very, very small. It doesn't take much. The point is not how strong is your faith. The point is, who is your faith in? You can trust Jesus. So that kind of faith will allow us to cry out to God humbly and persistently and meet Him in our brokenness. Um, so I read the story and I see Bartimaeus was healed. He, he got what he was seeking after. We don't know how long it took. I mean, we know it was a short moment of time there, but how old was he? I really don't know. You know, we don't know. And we know in our own lives, though, that there are, there are many things that have gone on for a long time. So how do we kind of reconcile that? And is Jesus really going to meet us? And is he really going to heal all our brokenness? That's a good question. And here's what the Bible says. Yes, Jesus will meet you. And he is going to heal and put to right everything that's broken about not just us, but about our whole world. Now that's con- we can hold to that confidently. That means we never have to give up on another person. We never have to give up on a situation. Now, for some of us, it's going to be quickly or even in this life. Some things will be put to right. Relationships restored. Illnesses cured. Financial difficulties met. Um, but for some of us, and, and actually for all of us, there will be things that will be, the answer will be not yet. And so if we're going to really make sense of this story, we have to take the whole testimony of Scripture. And we can look at another man of, I would say, great faith, the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul in, in Corinthians says, you know, I, I asked God three times, and I think it means persistently, to take away this thorn in my flesh. And the scholars say that that was um, probably some for, sort of eye disability, some kind of blindness, maybe a glaucoma, something going on with him as well. It's kind of curious. It's kind of like Bartimaeus. Some kind of struggle. And I cried out, and you know what God said to me is, my grace is sufficient. So he didn't, in this life, experience the healing of the physical disability, but guess what? He did get Jesus, even in the midst of his suffering, and so will we. So if we want to meet Jesus in our suffering, if we want to experience uh, life with him as we face our brokenness, we can do it uh, because he's gracious. We can call out to him humbly and persistently with faith, and we can, we can know that he's going to meet us. Would you do that? Would you call out to him? Would you surround yourself with people that are calling out with him? Get involved in the community group. Don't isolate yourself. Let other people know what's going on in your life. Forgive them when they mess up. Ask for their forgiveness when you mess up. And call out to Jesus and see what he does and how he meets you. Let's do that. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son uh, who came and lived among us, who suffered with us, who knows us, um, who doesn't remain remote and far away, but comes, draws near to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you do that. And we confess that we're broken people who are suffering. We suffer because of our own sin. We suffer because of the sin of others, the, the broken nature of the world that we live in at this time. But we hope, we hope to you. And so we ask that you would meet us in our brokenness today, that you would give us courage to call out to you, that you would help us not to sideline others and sidetrack others who, who are calling out to you or who need to call out to you. And I pray that you would give us the faith just of a mustard seed to believe you, that you will do what you've said, and that you would meet us. We thank you.
for your love for us. And we ask this because Jesus lived and died in our place and lives again, always interceding for us. Amen.